Take your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 15, and we'll continue in our study, our verse-by-verse study of the Gospel of Matthew. I've, I've enjoyed it. I hope you've been enjoy, enjoying it as well. We are over halfway, so we've reached the top of the mountain. We're going back down now. Uh, so that uh, maybe that'll encourage you that we may have uh, about two years left in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, but if you're, if you're there with me in Matthew chapter 15, verses 10 through 20, I think this is a great passage for us to study today. Uh, in this passage, in verse 10, you see Jesus say, hear and understand. He's making a statement there that he wants us to, to listen up. That's what he's saying. If you have ears to hear, you need to hear what I'm about to say. Which what he's going to say when he says stuff like that. He's saying this is very important for you to hear. You need to hear this. We all need to know what Jesus is going to say after verse 10. When you see hear and understand, after that is very, very, very important. So you say, what is he going to say that's that important? Here in these verses, and we need to get this, Jesus shows us the biggest problem of mankind. The biggest problem in the world. He's going to show us in these verses. And I think the biggest problem of mankind is that they don't know what their biggest problem is. So today we get, that, we get to see that. What Jesus says is the biggest problem, and it's not the, just a problem for us today or for them then, it's a problem of all time. This is the biggest problem of mankind. It doesn't get any bigger than this. And in order to, when we understand this, it helps us to be able to solve man's biggest problem or for Christ to solve that problem. So let's stand together, and I want to show you today the biggest problem of mankind. It doesn't get any better than this passage today. The biggest problem of mankind. And I want to read starting in verse 10, going through verse 20. And at first glance, you may look at it and say, eh, that's not much. But when we get done, you'll say that is a very important passage. Starting in verse 10. And he, Jesus, called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand. Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, that, this, defileth a man. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard what you were saying, this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Leave them alone. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Declare unto us this parable. And Jesus said, Are ye also yet without understanding? Do you not understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out into the drought? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the, the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. So you hear that and you say, I don't, get it. I don't see it. You'll see it in just a second. This is man's biggest problem. Let's pray together and we'll study it. Father, we thank you for your word and that it shows us what our biggest problem is. So that we can see truly what sin is. We can see man's condition. And ultimately we can see what we need to be saved from. And that only Jesus can save us from it. That he is the only answer for man's biggest problem. So help us to see that today. We thank you that we don't have to listen to what the world says is, the, is man's biggest problem. We don't have to listen to what the world says is, is the answer to man's biggest problem. But we have your word here that makes it very plain and very clear what our problem is. So God, help us to understand this today. I think this is a life-altering, life-changing passage. So God, use your spirit to to not only let us hear it, but as Jesus said, to understand it. So God, help us today. Help me today. I, I need your help. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can be seated. 
Let me ask that question. I asked it to my kids on the way to church this morning. I wanted to know what they would say. I won't give you their answers because I don't want to give away the answer to the sermon. But I asked my kids on the way to church this morning, I said, what is man's biggest problem? What is the world's biggest problem? And I didn't want to go personally and say, what is your biggest problem? Because I'm sure it would be something to, to do with video games. But, but I said, what is mankind's biggest problem? I, I want to know what the world's biggest problem is. And I'm not talking about small little problems. What is the biggest and I'm doing this to get you thinking about what you think is man's biggest problem. And we get all kinds of answers from all kinds of sources and all kinds of opinions that will tell us mankind's biggest problem is a social problem. It's, it's that we just can't get along. That you've you got one race over here and another over here and we're all fighting against each other. Or one generation against a, another generation and they're just fighting against each other. That our problem is social. And if we can just fix our social problems and the hatred and the prejudice that's in our society, then we'll have some kind of utopian society where everything is perfect. If we can just fix the social problem. You'll have people that will tell us it is environmental. That our problem is our environment and we need to do this and this and this and we just do that. Then our world would be perfect and everything would be okay. You have some that tell us, and maybe some of you agree with this, that our biggest problem is political. That if, if we could just fix the Democrats or we can just fix the Republicans or we can just fix whatever party you want to throw out there, that the whole world would be all, I mean it would be so much better if we can just fix politics. I saw a TV commentator say this week, and I won't say what network he was on. It rhymes with CNN. Uh, <laughs> it rhymes with. And he said this, the problems are all around us, and the answer is found within us. Did you hear that? What he's saying there is the problem is outside of us, and the answer is within us. The problem, he, he made a statement there that the problems are all outside of us. It's social, it's racial, it's environmental, it's political. The problems are all around us. And if we want to fix it, the solution is found deep down within us. Because the problem, the evils are, are, are outside of us and the good is found inside of us. And you may be sitting there saying, yeah, that's a pretty good idea. But I want you to know that this is not what the Bible says. This is in direct conflict with what the Bible says and with what Jesus says. Because there may be problems all around us, but that's not the problem. The problem isn't social. It's not racial. It's not environmental. It's not political. What does Jesus say our biggest problem is? In this passage, he gives the biggest problem. And he says here to them, it's not what's all around you. It's not for them it was Gentiles. For them it was uh, that, that they didn't like to shake hands with people or, or touch people or, or touch dead animals. It was all around them. But Jesus says, no, no, no. The problem of mankind is the problem of the heart. The problem isn't outside of us. Get this, it's not outside of us. It's within us. That's the problem of mankind. Proverbs 4 says, out of the heart flow all the issues of life, all the problems of society, all the problems of mankind and the world. It flows from the heart of man. That's where the problem is. Every man's problem is a problem of the heart. It's my problem. It's your problem. It's your wife's problem. It's your husband's problem. It's your in-law's problem. Somebody should say amen there. It's your parents' problem. It's your boss's problem. You know what the problem in America is today? It's a problem of the heart. And only Jesus can fix a heart. I love that. That's where we need to get today. That we understand what our problem is. A heart problem. And we understand what the solution is. Jesus Christ and His gospel. 
That's the problem and that's the solution. It's a problem of the heart. And if we understand that, this is so important. Don't get this wrong. There are churches that get it wrong. Christians that get it wrong. Society is getting this wrong. If we get this right, what our main problem is, we'll have a right view of man. We'll have a right view of sin. We'll have a right view of salvation. We'll have a right view of self. We'll have a right view of our nation. We'll have a right view of the world if we can understand our biggest problem. So that's what Jesus is going to show us here. It's a problem of mankind. And if we can understand this, in this passage today is a matter of life and death and heaven and hell. So you need to understand the biggest problem of mankind. My kids need to know the biggest problem of mankind. The, the answer my kids gave me this morning on the ride here. I asked Christian first. And I said, what's mankind's biggest problem? He said, sin. That's a good answer. Yeah. I said, Isaiah, well, what's the biggest problem of mankind? He said, sin. Christian said, you stole my answer. <laughs> I said, but understand this. Our biggest problem isn't sin. Our biggest problem is where sin comes from. The source of sin. And the source of sin is man's evil heart. Understand that. So let's look at that today. The problem of mankind. And I'm going to outline this passage in, in three points. I heard another TV commentator say this week, he was given an outline of uh, some political statement, and he said politicians need to stick to three clear points. I said, amen. I love it. Yeah. And he said, here's why a politician doesn't, doesn't need to go any further than three points. Because people today can't remember anything past three points. Amen. I, I love it. This guy, he, he's, he's got my preaching down. So I'll give you three points today. As we work our way through this passage, I want to show you, first of all, in verses 10 and 11, Jesus gives us the statement of man's problem. He states it very clearly here, what man's problem is. And Jesus loves these sweeping statements. You understand that. In verse 11, he makes a statement. And, and in this one verse, one sentence, he says more than anybody ever could say. I love that. Jesus could say a book in one sentence. And he says that here, this statement on what man's problem is. In verse 10, he says, and he called the multitude together. He called the crowds together. He strongly, is what it's saying there, he strongly calls everybody around him. And you know that he's been kind of pushing the crowd away. But right now, he says, I want everybody close into me right now. I want every, everybody in the crowd around me. I want them to, to squeeze in close. I don't want there to be any social distance at all between the crowd and me. Bring them all in because everybody needs to do what hear and understand what i'm about to say this is so important that he's drawing the crowd in do not be confused about what i'm about to say hear it and understand it this is foundational this is doctrinal this is critical this will change how you view all of the world so come close to me and hear and understand the words i'm about to tell you don't just hear it in one ear and out the other Hear it and understand it. Hear it and comprehend it. Hear it and get it. So hear and understand. And he says the statement there. Again, one of these sweeping statements that Jesus always makes. In one sentence, he explains mankind. In one sentence, he does what I couldn't do in a series of sermons. In one statement, he destroys a whole false religious system. 
In one statement, he destroys the false religions of our world today. With one statement. And that's verse 11. He says, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth the man, but that which cometh out of the mouth defiles a man. You say, ah, I'm not getting that. Here's what he's saying. They thought, the crowds he's talking to thought, that on the inside they were good. They thought on the inside they were clean, and they thought that everything on the outside, they were basically decent human beings. And on the inside, you hear that all the time. We're, deep down, we're all good people. That's what you hear. People say that all the time. Oh, we're, we're good. We're good-hearted. I, I hear that all the time. People will come and say, uh, somebody will pass away. Oh, he had a good heart. So they thought, the Jews that he's talking to in this crowd thought that they had a, a good heart, that naturally from birth they were good, decent, moral, upstanding, law-abiding citizens, and all they had to do was stay away from the evil that's on the outside. And they spent their lives doing that. I mean, watch what they did. They had ceremonies and rules and diets and ceremonial washings that they had to do just to keep them clean on the outside. They went through their lives not wanting to touch anything because they thought if they touched something dirty, it would make them dirty on the inside. If they, they didn't eat bacon because they thought that that was unclean and it would make them clean on the inside. So don't touch that. If that's the case, I'm in big trouble. They didn't touch Gentiles. If they touched a Gentile, that made them unclean and they had to go and wash themselves. They had volumes of books just so they could wash all that nastiness off. That's dirty. I'm clean. If I touch that, it'll make me unclean. If I eat that, it'll make me unclean. So they washed who they brushed up against. They washed who they talked to. They washed who they walked past. All to be ceremonial clean. They would wash and sacrifice to be clean on the outside. And Jesus turns the whole thing upside down here by telling them your problem isn't outside of you. It's not what's outside that gets in. It's what's on inside that goes out. That's your problem. He, he's saying it's not about eating kosher food or washing your hands. They were ceremonial clean on, ceremonially clean on the outside, but they were spiritually dirty on the inside. They spent their whole lives focused on the external, and never looked at the internal. They never understood that it's the heart that makes them unclean before God. It's not about hands. The psalmist said, Who shall ascend to the holy hill of God? A man with a clean heart. That's what matters. They did all these rituals and all this religious activity with rules and ceremony, and they looked very clean on the outside, but they were filthy on the inside. You say, what has that got to do with us? We don't do that stuff, do we? We don't do that. Well, I guess we do this now. To keep germs away, not to be ceremonially clean before God. We don't, we don't do that. But what, what, do we, what do we do that's, that's like what they do? We do the same thing because we try to make ourselves acceptable to God by doing things on the outside of us. We do things like trying to shape up our lives and clean up our lives and get our lives right and follow the rules and be good and be upstanding and be moral. We try to, to be acceptable to God by what we do on the outside. We go to church to be acceptable to God. We, we don't lie to be acceptable to God. We do all these things to clean up the outside of us to be right with God and we never look at what's deep down in our hearts. 
We clean the outside of the cup and the inside of the cup is filthy. We think we can be good and moral and decent and law-abiding and never deal with the heart. The real problem isn't the outside of us, it's the inside of us. And when we clean up the outside without messing with the inside, all we're doing is whitewashing a tomb. Christianity has ignored the inside, the heart, for generations. And let me tell you what we've done. We've created a bunch of hypocrite Christians. That they look good on the outside, but on the inside they're filthy and rotten to the core. They have an outer form of godliness, but no power. We have, and I want, I want to make this statement, and I, th- I think it's a good statement. I, I, don't, I've not, I didn't find anybody else that said it, so you can put my name at the end of it. We have focused on behavior modification and not spiritual transformation. We have come to church to modify people's behavior instead of transforming who they are on the inside. We've done it with our children in that we tell our kids, we have to have rules, we do. We have to, if, if our house was, had no rules at home, it would be chaos in our home. So we have our rules and we tell our kids from the time they understand, you don't lie or you're going to go to hell. <laughs> You don't cheat. You don't steal. You don't cuss. And we give our kids all these rules. And you go to church and you get baptized and you take the Lord's Supper and you do all these things. And we've given them all these things to do. And most of the time, our kids follow those rules and do exactly as we tell them to do. And then when they get out of church and and they're not here with us anymore, they go out and they quit following the rules and they quit doing the rituals and they don't follow the routine. And the problem is that they never have a heart change on the inside all they did was modify their behavior on the outside and Jesus makes it very clear that God is after clean hearts not clean hands what does what does it first Samuel 16 say man looks on the outside but God looks at the heart So we have done all these things trying to make ourselves look so good on the outside. But we've never focused on what really matters, which is the heart. And that's what Jesus is telling them here. It's not about what's on the outside. It's about what's on the inside. And watch what he goes to. So we saw the the statement on man's problem. Let me take you to, to the scandal over man's problem. Because people don't like being told they're evil on the inside. People don't like that. And look what it says in verse 12. It's a scandal. Here's the reaction of the Pharisees in the crowd. It says, Then came his disciples and said unto him, Don't you know that the Pharisees were offended by what you just said? And that word offended means they were, it was a scandal. You guys know the word offended. Everybody in the world is offended nowadays. That's the most popular word in our language, in our vocabulary right now, is that offends me, and that offends me. We're the most offended culture in the history of the world. Everything offends everybody. And the word means scandalized, that it stops you in your track, and you look at it and say, oh my, that, that hurts my feelings. I don't know if that's the Greek, but that's, that's how I, I interpret it. So it says when Jesus said that, and get that, Jesus offended them. So when Jesus said, it's not the outside that's dirty, it's the inside that's filthy. 
And that twisted everything that they'd ever thought about religion. No, 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 no. I'm good. Everybody else is dirty. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. You're dirty and, and nothing outside will defile you. So he, he turned it upside down on them. And, and that's taught them in the tracks. And it says, and they were offended. They were offended by it. They were like, oh, that, 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 that hurts me. Jesus uh, offended them. He was offensive to them. Again, it's a scandal. It shows the reality of their heart. What does it say in the soul in, in chapter 13 that they become offended and fall away? It shows here self-righteous hypocrites are always offended by the truth. They're always tripped up over the truth. That a preacher gets up and he preaches the truth, opens the Bible and says, here it is and here's how it is. That there's going to be people sitting in the pews who are self-righteous in their masks, hypocritical, and they're going to say, that offends me. That hurts my feelings. That bothers me. You stepped on my toes. Ouch. Let's get rid of that guy so he don't step on my toes anymore. It always offends hypocrites when you try to take their masks off. When you tell them what you're doing on the outside, this facade that you put on and, and that you wear and you think you're so good and you're putting on a show before everybody else, but in reality, deep down, you are filthy and nasty, that, that offends people. Be careful if truth offends you because it shows your heart. But Jesus, <laughs> he has offended them. They're upset with him. Their feelings are hurt. I think they've shed a tear. They're, they're, they're crying around. And some people look at that and say, see, Jesus was offensive. We ought to be offensive. We can be offensive. We can offend people. That's what we, that's what we ought to do. And I, I think our, our gospel should offend people. It should offend hypocrites. It should offend people who are self-righteous. It should. it should. It should step on toes. But we should never be offensive with our opinions, with our tone, and with our politics. The gospel is offensive enough. Let it offend and let nothing else offend. So Jesus offended them here. Get this, with the truth. What's offensive to the world is the truth. And the truth is they are evil on the inside. Maybe some of you all are offended by that today. And you sit there and say, oh, that's not true. My, my, we're good people. We're moral people. We've been in church for 30 years. You can't tell me I'm evil on the inside. I didn't. Jesus did. But Jesus here, well, how does he respond? I like this about Jesus. He doesn't apologize. Isn't that what we do in our culture today? When you offend somebody, you immediately apologize. I'm sorry, I'll fix that, I'll never do it again. Jesus fears no man. Jesus tickles no ears. And Jesus withholds no truth. And watch what Jesus says about them. I mean, he, he just offends them even worse. Jesus answered in verse 13 and he said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. At verse 13, he's saying, these people are lost. They're unbelievers. They're heavenly, his heavenly father didn't plant these trees, didn't plant these, uh, the wheat, or if you go back to Matthew 13, God didn't plant them. Isaiah 61 says that when God plants something, it becomes an oak. Matthew 13 says when God plants something, it becomes wheat. It's good for something. But here it says the Father didn't plant them. So who did plant them? Which back to Matthew 13, they were planted by Satan himself. 
So they're lost. They're unbelievers. They're, they're without God. They think they are godly. They think they're right by their, their outside appearance. But in, on the inside, their hearts are wicked and evil and they're lost. He says here, the Father didn't plan them. And the Father will root them up. And then he says, leave them alone. Not only are they lost, they're hopelessly lost. Leave them alone. Jesus has been preaching repeatedly, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. But there comes a point in time when your hearts become so hard that Jesus says, leave them alone. Leave them alone. Leave them alone. This is almost a turning point in Matthew where Jesus is going from them to a whole new crowd. Leave them alone. They're not just lost, they're hopelessly lost. And I'll give you another one. They're not just lost, they're hopelessly lost, and they're dangerously lost. That's pretty good. Lost, hopelessly lost, dangerously lost. You say, how are they dangerously lost? Because you leave them alone, and if you were to follow them, they'll take you exactly where they're going. Look what he says. Leave them alone. Because they are blind leaders of the blind. Have you ever stopped and asked anybody for directions? If you stopped to ask somebody for directions, and the person that you were asking for directions didn't know where they, they were going, would you follow them? Better yet, if the person you asked for directions was blind, would you follow them? <laughs> That's what he's saying here. These, these are leaders of, of Israel. These are leaders of, of the Jews. These are supposed to be people that, that, that you follow. These are supposed to be the standard of, of, of religion. And everybody followed them and everybody listened to them. And he said, they're blind. And if you follow them, you're blind too. And they're going to lead you straight into a ditch or a pit or hell. So they are dangerously lost. Do not follow these people. Don't listen to these people. They are dangerous. Hopeless and dangerous. He's saying don't give them an audience. I want to apply this to us in just a second. You're sitting there saying, I, I, don't, I don't get it. But he, don't give them an audience. Stay away from them. Don't listen to them. Don't toy around with them. Don't even, don't, when, they, when they get up to teach, don't you sit there and listen to them at all. Because they will destroy your, not just you, but they'll destroy your souls. You say, how do you apply that to us? Don't follow self-righteous, hypocritical teachers who are going to focus only on your behavior and not on your heart. Don't follow religions like that. And every other religion in the world is that. Because they can't change the inside. They work to change the outside. I talked about different religions and cults last week. Catholics, the Catholic system is this right here to a T. They can't change anyone's heart. So they give them a bunch of rules and rituals and routines to follow so they look good on the outside and act good to the world, but on the inside they're filthy and rotten to the core. Why do you think that there are so many priests who fall time and time and time again into some kind of sexual deviancy? Because they put on a show on the outside and eventually their hearts show themselves to be who they really are. 
And it happens in, not just in, in, I can go into cults, I can go into other religions, because all they're trying to do is to make you better on the outside without changing you on the inside. No other religion in the world deals with the heart but Christianity. Every other religion is just trying to get you to behave right. And if you go to church, then all they're trying to do is to get you to behave right. I want my kids to behave. I want them to, to mind their mom and dad and to obey me. I looked at a Christian yesterday and I said, I'm giving you a direct command. Do it or you'll get a whipping. I said that. It may get me in trouble in the culture we're living in. Somebody's like, I'm, I'm, I'm offended. I whip my kids. <laughs> I don't spare the rod. And my kids aren't spoiled. So I looked at Christian and I said, do it. I gave him the Nike motto. Just do it. I want him to behave me. I want Gracie to behave me. We want Christians to act the right way. When all you do is get up and give them, here's how you behave, and you never aim at their heart to where Christian has a new heart that says, I want to behave my dad. I want to behave for my dad and to obey my dad. That's what we're going after. We're not going after, I have to. We're going after, I want to. That's what we're going after. Religions are, you have to. Christianity is, you want to. Deep down, I want to obey. Deep down, get this. I'm going to go long. I, I get going, I can't help myself. Get this. This is, this is so good. If you'll get it. There are preachers, and I want you to come to church. I want you here. And there are preachers, and I grew up in it, where you have to be in church. And you should be. And Steph, has, Steph me and Steph talked about it recently with people having, we have a hard time getting people back. And she told me the other day, she said, you need to get that PowerPoint out. And you need to tell them, be in church. And I looked at her and I said, I don't want them to have to be here. I want them to want to be here. I could guilt you into coming to church. I could look at you and say, if you don't come to church three times a week, I think you're probably lost and you're going to hell. And you come to church and you sit there and say, I don't want to be here, but I better, I don't want to, I'd rather be here than hell. <laughs> Some people wouldn't. I could guilt you into giving. Couldn't I? I mean, easy. You're cursed if you don't give. <laughs> People, uh, offer to be full. I don't want to guilt you into giving. I want you to want to give. Yeah. I could guilt you into behaving. Don't lie or you're going to hell. <laughs> I'd rather you want to. There's a difference between a religion that says you have to do these things and a religion that changes your heart to where you want to do these things. And I want my kids, and I pray it every day, I want them to behave, but I want them to behave because their heart's been changed, not because their daddy tells them to. And that's the difference here. And you don't want to follow. I'm getting off point here, not really. But you don't want to follow. He says here, don't follow people who their only thing is going to be rules, rituals, routine. You have to, you have to, you have to, you have to. Because when you don't have to anymore, you won't do it anymore. How many kids have you seen do that? You have to, you have to, you have to, you have to. 18, I don't have to anymore, and I don't do it anymore. You say, what's wrong with them? Did they fall away? No, 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 no. They fell away from their parents' rules. They never had regeneration on the inside. This is foundational. 
He says, stay away from any religion that's only focuses on the externals. That's only focuses on modifying behavior, on giving you rules and rituals to follow. We're not about rules. We have rules here. We do. There's a way that we act. There's a way that we behave. And my kids, they'll do it as long as under my roof they'll follow my rules. But I'm aiming every day at their heart. Every morning when I get up and, and, I, and I'm walking through my kids' rooms, I look at Gracie and I say, she's following my rules, but I'd rather her have a changed heart and want to follow my rules and follow Christ and be in His church and love His Word and love the Savior. God, change your heart! That's what, that's what your kids need. A change of heart. I, 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 I'm getting way off point. I, I, I don't know where I'm going. I don't do that much. But I pray for my boys. I go in the room and they have, they have a room together. And I look at them and I say, I, I can threaten Christian and Isaiah with a whipping or taking, taking their games away. No more Fortnite unless you mind me. <laughs> and they'll do it. Well, I want them to do it because they love God's word. They love God's son. I want them to be in church because they love God's people. God changed their heart. You look at society today. We see divorce happening left and right. Adultery over and over and over. You want your adulterous husband to not a, to commit adultery anymore? God, change his heart. Change his heart. If you change his heart, you'll change his actions. You change his actions without changing the heart, he may go back to the actions again. Or she. You want your kids to stop lying? Change their heart. You want there to be no more unrest in America? Protests and, and riots and, and, and just chaos in our nation? You don't put up new laws. You preach the gospel and change their hearts. How about this one? You don't want racism? And, and, and we don't use that word. It's prejudice. It's hate is what it is. You want to change a racist, hatred heart? Preach the gospel to them. So Jesus says, don't follow people that are nothing but modifying behavior and full of externals. You know why? Because that won't lead you closer to God. It will lead you away from God and further into destruction and damnation. That's what he says. So let's move on to the last point. You guys are saying, oh no. He's got another point. He just ran it for ten minutes. Number one, we said the statement on. Number two, we've seen the scandal over. And I want to show you the last point, the source of the source of man's problem. Here he gets to the heart of the issue. They didn't get it yet. And here he makes it clear. Peter comes to him and Peter asks, and, and this, is, this is good. Verse 15, answered Peter and said unto him, declare unto us this parable. He says, explain it to us. We don't get it. We heard it, but we don't understand it. Do you, do you see that? We heard what you said, and that happens in sermons a lot of times. We heard what you said. We didn't understand it. I, get in the, I spend more time explaining sermons to people in the foyer than I do up here in the pulpit. They heard what I said, but they want further explanation of what it meant. So he says, we heard it, but we didn't understand it. So we need you to give us further teaching. We, and I love that about Peter. He has a teachable spirit. He's not offended by the truth. He is open to the truth. That's the first sign of a regenerate, saved heart is when you are not offended by the truth, but you are open to the truth. Please teach me. I love that about our church. The, the, you guys are, are not easily offended by the truth, but you come and say, 
okay, I didn't get this. Teach me a little bit further. I'm open to it. A hard heart rejects it and says, no way. But a receptive heart says, teach me. So Peter comes and says, teach me. And Jesus gives him an illustration here. And I've got to be real careful with this illustration. But look what he says in verse 17. Verse 16, he says, are you also without understanding? Verse 17, he says, do you not yet understand? And this is a tough illustration he uses. But it's simple. He says, do you not understand that whatever enters in at your mouth goes into your belly and then it comes out? And that word, it's cast out in the drought. That that word drought is the place where you see it. (laughs) Do I need to go any further with that? (laughs) I I don't think I do. I I didn't write any notes down there because I thought I, I might just be able to skip by that without anybody noticing. Well, that's what he says. He says, what goes in your mouth goes into your belly, and then it, then it comes out. So food goes in, food gets in your stomach, it goes through your digestive system, and it never touches your heart, and it never touches your soul, and it comes out. So that doesn't defile you. That doesn't make you dirty. It's a, it's a simple explanation here. What, what goes into your mouth doesn't defile you. What comes out of your mouth is showing what's already defiled. So here it is. He says, the source of all your problems... Verse 18, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come from where? The heart. And that's where the defilement of man is. The heart is who we are on the inside. Isaiah said that on the way to church this morning. He said, when you say heart, you're not talking about that, the muscle that is pumping blood to your entire body. That's not what you're talking about, are you? I said, no, 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 no. Don't get me wrong here. That's not what's defiled. What's defiled, when he says the heart, he's talking about uh, who I am on the inside. He's talking about the real me. He's talking about the the me that only God sees. You can't see my heart. You can't see my motives. You can't see my attitude or my character. You can't see who I am on the inside. I can put on a facade on the outside and really fool you guys. But you can't see what God sees deep down in my heart. I can't see who you are either. How many times have you heard that? I don't know their hearts. I can't judge their hearts. I don't know their motives. I don't know deep down where only God sees. So I don't judge hearts. Only God sees your heart. So he's talking about who you are on the inside. And he says, and your heart is defiled. Which means it's corrupt, it's polluted, it's dirty, it's unclean, it's foul, it's wretched, it's nasty. Deep down you are polluted. Deep down you're like nasty water. Deep down it's, it's gross down there in your hearts. And it's not just here that he says it, and I've got some time. You guys hang with me. Jeremiah 17, 9 says this about our hearts. The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked who can know it. Ecclesiastes 9, 3 says, The heart of the sons of men is full of evil and madness. Full of madness and sanity down there. Genesis 6, 5, I love this verse. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Genesis 8.21 says, The imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Is evil from deep, from very early on. When you first born, it's evil. You don't have to send your kids to lying school, do you? Anybody ever send your kid to lying school? Where do they learn that from? It's right here. 
It's already there. Instead, it says they get it from their dad. <laughs> that sin nature comes from the dad. So that's what he's saying here. Deep down, our hearts are full of evil. And he proves it here. Watch this. Because our physical heart pumps blood to the rest of our body, but our spiritual heart pumps evil. You get that? I mean, you guys know that about a physical heart, how it pumps blood to our bodies, and, and that's how we keep ourselves healthy. But our, our spiritual heart is pumping. If it's an evil heart, it's pumping evil. If it's a good heart, it's pumping good. And look what he says here. This is, this is, I'm building towards this verse here because he said, For out of the heart pumps. You get that? Out of the heart, ectescardius is, is, is the out of the heart pumps. It flows. It proceeds. It is, it's flowing out. The heart is the engine, and it's just running the rest of who you are. And the way this verse reads, the heart is the engine, and my mind is second because my heart runs my mind, and then my mind runs my action. So it all flows from right here. Down deep in the issues of my heart. It starts here. So you don't start with changing actions. You start with changing the heart. He says it's all right here. It's flowing from, from here. And out of this flows what? Look what he says. He gives a list of things. And you guys know what these things are. I don't have to do a whole lot of explaining. Out of the heart comes evil thoughts. Out of the heart comes murders. Out of the heart comes adulteries. You guys know what that is. Adultery is, is when you, you're married and you cheat on your spouse. That's adultery. And then he says, out of your heart flows fornications. You say, what's fornications? Any unnatural forms of sexual relations is, is fornications. That's premarital sex. That's lesbianism. That's homosexuality. Let me just go through the LGBTQ, RSTV, TSB, plus sign, minus sign. A little two above it, prime numbers, you know, just whatever they can put on there. Every one of those, <laughs> that'll get me cancel cultured. <laughs> every one, and I, I say it jokingly, but every single letter that they put on there is placed under the term fornications. And it's sin. He goes on, he says thefts, when you take something that isn't yours. He says false witness when you lie. He says blasphemy when you speak slanderously or abusively about somebody else, especially about God. And Mark adds a, even more. He says wickednesses. He says lewdness, which is foul, repulsive language. He says pride and greed and foolishness. I like that foolishness when you grow up and you're nothing but a total goofball. He gives a long list of things that flow out of the, the heart. You say, why does he give this list? Because the things that you see in the world that you think are a problem, murder, let me give you this, is not a gun problem, it's a heart problem. They give you all kinds of reasons that people murder each other, and the reality is it's, it's hatred, and it flows from the heart. It's not a video game problem. It's not a Hollywood problem. It's a heart problem. You want to fix murder, you preach the gospel to someone's heart. Prejudice, which is hatred, again, racism is what we call it today. You don't fix hatred the way the country wants to fix hatred. The only way you truly fix a hateful heart is with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Adultery, lust, 
You want to fix an adulterer? It's a heart problem. The rioting that we have going on in our nation today, you know what they need? Law and order. Okay, fine. That'll put them in their place, but it won't change their heart. It's a heart problem. There's a deep problem within man that is rooted in the very nature of our souls. That's rooted in the very nature of our DNA, of our character. And Jesus makes it very clear in this summarizing verse 20 statement that he says, the heart is a problem. It's not washing hands. It's not what's outside, it's what, what's inside is, is what he summarizes there in verse 20. These are the things which are, that defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands, that doesn't defile a man. The problem isn't what's outside of you, the problem is what's inside of you. So that's the problem. And I'm going to close here. If that's the problem, and it is, what's the solution? You guys already know what it is. I should have asked my kids that on the way here today. I'm going to read you a quote by J.C. Ryle, an old preacher from the early 1900s. He said this, and it's a long quote, but here it is. What's the first thing we, we need in order to be a Christian? A new heart. What is the sacrifice that God asks us to bring to him? A broken and contrite heart. What is genuine obedience? To obey from the heart. What is saving faith? To believe in your heart. Where does Christ dwell? In our hearts by faith. What is the chief request that God makes of every single one of us? Give me your hearts. That's the reason for generations we have asked people to ask Jesus into their hearts. And people have misunderstood that and think, oh, I've got to ask Jesus into this physical heart that pumps blood. No, 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 no. I'm giving Jesus myself every fiber of my being my thoughts my intents my attitudes everything about me now belongs to Jesus so you say if you're here today and you're lost what do I do I believe I've got an old nasty corrupt polluted depraved deprived heart what do I do how do I let God, how does God change my heart? I think it's as simple as this. God, change my heart. Change my want-tos. And if we had people, and I thought that this week, as I was preparing this sermon, I, I, I knew that this was a pivotal sermon for our church. Because we've been through that religious phase in our, in, in our church's history where, it's, where we've been about rules and regulations and rituals and routines and follow this and do this and do this. And I said, this is pivotal. There could be people in the church who are acting religious and have this outer look and they come to church and they may give and they may do all these things, but deep down in their hearts, that's never been changed. And I said, if we could have, and I know we'll have kids here today, I know there will be people watching on Facebook today, a handful of people. I said, God, well, what do, what, what, give me something to say here at, at, the, at the end of the sermon that, that we could get everybody here understanding this. And even, even for those who've been in here for years, I want you to do this for me. I want you to, even if you have any question at all, because you can look at your life and the actions that you have, and it'll show who your heart is, where your heart is. 
So what I want you to do today, before we even, even turn to, to what Christians ought to do, I want people in here today, kids, teenagers, adults, if there's any question whatsoever, when we pray right now in a second at the altar call, I want you to say, God, change my heart. God, change my want-tos. God, change me. God, you're the only one that, that can change this old hard heart, this old cold heart. You're the only one that can make it brand new and give me a fleshy heart that is open and receptive and wants to follow you and love you god give me a new heart that's what we need today and you're sitting there and you don't care anything about this and you're saying oh that's nothing i'm just not paying attention to that at all i worry about your your heart you need to pray today god give me a new heart and if you're here today and you're a christian and your heart can grow cold do you understand that and you can grow cold towards God, towards His Word, towards His Son, towards singing to Him. You can grow cold in a lot of ways. God, warm up my, my cold heart. You can have a, a heart that's getting hard as a Christian. Do you understand that? That you sit and listen to sermons so long that it doesn't affect you anymore. You can read His Word and it doesn't bother you anymore. There's no more. You haven't had your toe stepped on on years because you don't even feel it anymore. When was the last time you heard a sermon and it brought tears to your eyes? When was the last time you heard a sermon and it said, ooh, that hurt? And you did something about it. There's a lot of times you hear stuff, you ooh, that hurt. I'm going to leave and not come back. <laughs> and when you do that, your heart just gets harder and harder and harder. So there could be people in here today with lost hearts. There could be people today with cold hearts. I'm cold towards church. I'm cold towards God. There will be people today with hard hearts that they just don't listen anymore. It may be listening, but they don't understand. One in here and out the other. I'm afraid. This is me ranting again. You said, Josh, you've had a rough week or something, man. <laughs> I'm afraid that the pandemic has taken the mask off and shown people's hearts for what it truly is. And where it truly is. So right now is the time for us to examine the hearts. Open up the hood. <laughs> I took my little bitty truck to get it worked on a few weeks ago. It was making all kinds of noises. I'd pull up to the house and they'd hear me coming from like Mountain Empire. Emma can do a great impersonation of what my truck was sounding like. Neighbors here at the church. I was driving by the neighbors over here the other, before it all happened. And he hollered out his front porch and said, You need to get your truck checked on. <laughs> I rolled down my window and said, Thanks. <laughs> so I, I went and got it checked on. I didn't know what was wrong with it. I don't know anything about cars. Austin had his tire flattened last week at church. <laughs> And we all went out there to help him, and I just stood by and said, I'm here to pray. <laughs> you need that. They got it fixed. I think it was my prayers. <laughs> but I went and I told the, we told the guys at the shop, I said, I want you to open up the hood and find what's wrong with it and let me know. And whatever it is, we'll fix it. And I walked out of there and I said, we might be in big trouble. <laughs> but we had to get it fixed. Couldn't keep going around like that. Couldn't keep making those noises. Half a big stone heard me as I came to through town. 
And he opened up the hood and he said, this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong. Imagine if I'd, I said, okay, thanks for letting me know. Just drove it off. <laughs> I said, fix it. Fix it. And he fixed it, and boy, it, it, it hums now, man. It, it, it sounds great. You can't even, my kids can't even hear me coming. I can sneak up on them. But today we've opened up our hearts. And maybe in your heart there's some evil thoughts and murders and adulteries and fornications and thefts and false witnesses and blasphemies and wickednesses and lewdnesses and, and, and foolishnesses. And these are all plurals, but it's multiple. He just keeps on going and going and going. And you've opened up the heart and you said, oh man, there's all kinds of stuff wrong down in here. It's hardened. It's cold. It may even be lost. And we've opened up the hood of our hearts and we see that it's nasty. It's corrupt. It's polluted. What would you, how foolish would you be just to shut it and say, all right, I've seen what's wrong. Let's just keep going. How foolish would that be? How foolish would that be? So when we open up the heart today and you see what's there, we need to say, God, fix it. If it's cold, warm it up. If it's hardened, soften it. If it's lost, give me a brand new one. If it's too far gone, I need a new heart. And only God can do that. Only Jesus can give you a new heart. There's no other religion in the world that can give you a new heart. Catholicism can't give you a new heart. Buddhism can't give you a new heart. Islam can't give you a new heart. There's nothing out there that gives people new hearts but the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if you've got a lost heart today, God, give me a new heart. If you've got a cold heart, God, give me a, a heart that's on fire again. If it's hard, soften it. Please, God, work on my heart. We've all got heart problems, and Jesus is the only solution. That's mankind's biggest problem. And if we want to change the world, it starts one heart at a time. We have the solution to mankind's biggest problem, and it's preach Christ and Him crucified. Why would we do anything else? Why would we do anything else? The culture is telling us to preach everything but Christ and Him crucified. We preach Christ and Him crucified and we'll change the world one heart at a time. We know man's biggest problem. And we have man's greatest solution, which is Jesus Christ. So we present to you today, Jesus Christ, the answer to your biggest problem. If you're here today and you're lost, pray. God, give me a new heart. If you're here today and your heart's cold, God, give me a heart on fire. If your heart's cold, if your heart's hard, God, change my heart. Because out of the heart flows all the issues of life. The heart thing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that sometimes it does open up our hearts, open up the hood of our lives and shows us who we really are. We can easily hide our heart. I think we do. I do. We can put on a suit and a tie and hide issues. But God, when we open up your word, we can't hide anymore. It's a mirror. It shows us more than our, our face. It shows us our hearts. Man looks on the outward appearance. God, you look deep down. So God, I pray today that you would cleanse our hearts, purify our hearts, change our hearts. God, if there's anybody here today that's lost, an unbeliever, 
I pray that you would, and, and I know there's nothing I can do, so I pray that you would give them a brand new heart. Only Christianity gives brand new hearts. So God, do that. New character, new motives, new attitudes. New spiritual DNA.